0: Go ahead and take a seat, y'all. We're in the middle of our sermon series, A Church After God's Own Heart. And we're going to see in today's text, in which I just read, that a church after God's own heart is a thankful church, a thankful church. One of the negatives, one of the few negatives, just a few, about being a parent is that you see how unthankful your kids are. For real, for real. Give an amen. All right, a few honest people. This week, I was preparing this message, and it's about Thanksgiving and I'm sitting in one isolated uh, part of the house, and I hear a conversation between my bride and one of our children, and my children says, mama, can I have a peanut butter and jelly? Mama says, okay. It's about five minutes of silence. She finishes the peanut butter and jelly. Next thing I hear is, I'm not gonna eat that. You didn't make it right. I got up right on my seat. I almost grabbed him and threw him out of the window. You're probably laughing because it's been true of you in some way or another, but it's not just—if we're honest—it's not just people not wanting not wanting to hang around other people who are grumblers, but it's God as well. There's one thing among a few in which God can't stand, and that's the opposite of Thanksgiving—that's grumbling. If we were to open up our Bibles and look up the word grumbling, we see how God seriously takes it, how serious God takes it. In Numbers 21, God sends snakes to bite his people Israel because of their grumbling. In Luke 17, Jesus heals 10 lepers, Only one of them come back, bow down and worship him and thank him for his cleansing. And Jesus highlights just how unique and worthy of honor that this cleansed one is because of his thanksgiving. And in today's passage, we're going to see the difference. How much of a difference a thankful heart makes in perspective and more. Let's jump into the text and get straight into it. Verse 4, enter his gates with thanksgiving. The psalmist uses a first temple illustration to prove a point. You'll end up seeing it up here. So look at this image with me. This is the temple here during uh, King Solomon's Day. There we go. King Solomon's Day. This is the temple. It was built on a mount, on a mountain. They flattened it out and ended up putting uh, temple courts around it with gates all around. And then in the middle is the temple of God. So there was the Ark of the Covenant where the focused presence of Yahweh was, the God of Israel and the God of this church. And so it was, in other words, not just a social epicenter, but a focus of worship and thanksgiving. And the text says that you enter into the gates. See those holdout gates? And on the western wall, some of the gates there, you enter into the gates with thanksgiving, meaning you begin to feel the presence of God when you are thankful, You begin, just begin to start to feel the presence of God when you're thankful. Have you ever ever read about being adopted into the kingdom of God and you've read it and you're just like, okay, cool, I know those things. I'm gonna keep on moving on in my quiet time. There is something unique about having a thankful heart when you read that text and you're like, oh my goodness, I'm adopted into the kingdom of God. I was once blind and now I see. It's amazing what a thankful heart can do. The presence of God is not felt When we're focused on ourselves our agenda or when we're distracted it's focused when we are thanking god for who he is and what he has done the hebrew word for thanksgiving is todach todach you're gonna hear me actually go for trying to pronounce these correctly so you're gonna hear me go there's gonna be a lot of saliva in this front row (laughs) the hebrew word for thanksgiving is todach it means personal praise it's unique personal praise it's thanking god not just for what he's done for others but what he's done for us. Not just what he's doing in the world, but in our world. Not just for who he is, period, but who he has been to us. Give me a head nod if you're feeling what I'm saying. I'm gonna take us real quickly. It would be a tragedy if I didn't model this for you. A part of how my heart has been... how I've been allowed to walk through the gates of God's presence in thanksgiving has been shaped a lot through this habit I'm gonna show you. It's praying the scriptures. So sometimes you hear it when I come up here and I start reading and I start just praying out loud. So I wanna pass this on to you because spiritual habits are just a way for us to set ourselves up so that we feel the presence of God by his spirit. So what it looks like in praying the scriptures is you can open up anywhere in the canon of scripture and as you read, you stop. And you just start thanking God for what you're reading. And then you continue to read after. And then you stop. And then you continue praying in thanksgiving. And then by the time that it's end, I can testify, it has softened my heart to feel the presence of God. And I don't know about you and what your work week looks like, but I find myself spiritually dry pretty often. And you're paying me to be a preacher, okay? So I'm pretty sure we all need the presence of God. Check this out with me. This is just to show you can go anywhere in the text and thank God for something. We're first, first Peter 2 right here. Living stones for God's house. You are coming to Christ, who is the living cornerstone of God's temple. He was rejected by people, but he was chosen by God for great honor. God, I thank you that you were rejected by people, that you went to the cross and you purchased my salvation so that by faith I can stand in front of these people right now and thank you for a reborn life spiritually. And then you continue on. And you are living stones, meaning the people, that God is building into his spiritual temple. What's more, you are his holy priest. God, me? You would call me a holy priest? You've called me to commune with you? Who am I and what is my family that you brought me this far? Do you remember I was born in a non-Christian family? Do you remember all the mess that I've been caught up in? And yet you call me a priest? You call me a spiritual temple? Are you feeling what I'm saying, church? There is something beautiful about not just sitting there and creating a a list of thanksgiving, although that is amazing. There's something unique about getting in the scriptures and allowing God to tell you what you should be thankful for. That's just one habit. Another one I wanted to pass by is just with our men's huddle. Every week in the last two years, we've built a habit of asking each other three questions. One in which is, what can you celebrate from this past week? It is a standard of asking ourselves, despite your circumstances, despite your week, there's got to be something of who God is that you can be thankful for, regardless of your circumstances. And uh, week after week, that's just been a habit that's been beneficial for all of us in our group. With that being said, the text continues on, and the psalmist points out things that we can be grateful for. God, have your way in this room. Enter his gates into thanksgiving. Jump back in with me, verse three. Acknowledge that the Lord is God. He made us and we are his. We are his people, the sheep of his pasture. Thank God that the God of the Bible is the God who is true and that you know him. There are eight billion people in the world and you are one of the few. Broad is the path to destruction. Many are on it. Few is the narrow road and few go there. If you are on the path where Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life, if you have denied yourself, if you have picked up the cross, and if you are consciously allowing Jesus to run your life, thank God you're one of the few people in our area that have experienced a spiritual rebirth. It's kind of crazy to think about it. Of all the friends that you know, how many of them are Christian versus how many of them are non-Christian? You could be one of those people. And not only that, even if you, were, if, you, if you were a theist, if you were a believer, there's 1.8 billion people who worship Allah, the God of, Quran, of the Quran. You could be one of those 1.8 billion people, that's a lot of people worldwide, who are worshiping Allah, in which they have, and they would admit this, no assurance of salvation. Once you die, You will find out whether you're in heaven or hell, whether your good works outweighed your bad works, but instead, thank God that you have assurance in Christ because you're a believer. There are more things that we can be thankful for. The other good news is that we do not have to be God. We don't have to be God. We can thank him for him being him in ways that we will never be. Let's talk through a few of those. We don't have to be in control of everything. Is this, is this thing, is there a mic on it? Can you hear me? We don't have to be in control of everything. God is. Right. We don't have to be all knowing and have to know every single thing that's happening in the world and have answers to them. God does. We don't have to be everywhere for our loved ones and feel like we have to heap on ourselves guilt and shame and condemnation if we don't make a sporting event because God is with them. Right. And praise God for that. We can thank him for the little things in our midst. And we got more to be thankful for. Let's jump back into the text. For the Lord is good. His unfailing love continues forever. That's how he's good. His unfailing love continues forever. And this is also, his faithfulness continues to each generation. Thank God for his faithfulness to each and every generation. I love the word generation because it helps me realize that life is not about this right here. Not just about what I see, but about current events. I see that God was faithful and his hand was moving back before Jesus on the cross. I see that when Jesus went to the cross, his hand was working. I see that Pentecost, God was working. I see in the early church writings that God was working. I see now and by faith, I am so thankful for my kids' sake and my grandkids' sake that his faithfulness will be proven in the future. I just praise God for those things. He's provided then, he's healed then, he's shown up in power then, and he still does now. God remains faithful, and as a parent, I know you gotta thank God for being faithful. There are certain promises that Yahweh makes in the Old Covenant to his people Israel, and we can claim them in principle, transitioning into the New Testaments. One of them I cling to is actually found in Psalm 78. I will teach you, hidden lessons from our past, stories we have heard and known, stories and ancestors handed down to us. We will not hide these truths from our children. We will tell the next generation about the glorious deeds of the Lord, about his power and his mighty works. Then, then, okay, this is covenant in language. We will do this. Then you will do this. They will not be If this happens, they will not be like their ancestors, stubborn, rebellious, and unfaithful, refusing to give their hearts to God. I look at this principle, and I thank God that the psalmist wrote this, because I do not want my kids to be stony, stubborn-hearted, unthankful, rebellious, and looking down their nose at God like I once did. And I look at this principle and I say, thank you, God, that if I am faithful to not hide the truths of your power in my life, Jesus, to tell the truth of your glory in our lives as a family, Jesus, then you will keep my kids from being stony, rebellious, unfaithful, and refusing to believe in you in principle. Now, I know it's not true 100% of the time, but there's something within a person as they read the scriptures that may not be a technical promise that you can carry over in your Bible study, but you feel it in your gut that that's what the Spirit is prompting you to pray because it will be true of you and your family. I pray regularly that my kids would experience signs, wonders and miracles that I would only have dreamed of and imagined that cause them and stir their affections to love God more. I pray often as along with my bride here Danny that our kids would outpace us with a love for God that we never could have imagined. Yeah. Yeah. It's a and you know how you know why I pray those things is because I know that God is for the next generation. Why is he for the next generation? He wants his name to be known and his name to be blessed forevermore. That continues from last generation, this generation, and further generations moving forward. That's why you can pray with certainty that God wants to hear those things, parents, and he will answer them with a yes and amen. Amen. Now let's go back to the temple illustration to learn how we should look in our thanksgiving. There is a proper response From the Bible, the word of God that is inerrant that the psalmist wants us to see. Enter his gates with thanksgiving. Go into his courts with praise. Give thanks to him and praise his name. As we thank God, our affections begin to stir. And they keep on stirring for a love for God as you remember and recount his goodness. And the psalmist is imploring us to do something with those feelings. And that is praise God, to praise him out of your thankfulness. And there are two words that he uses here, two Hebrew words to praise God. Tehelach, which means spontaneously singing or singing a new song. The other Hebrew word is berach, which means to kneel. So if we throw up this verse one more time, fellas, this is how it should read. Enter his gates with thanksgiving. Go into his courts with spontaneous singing giving thanks to him and kneeling in his name. The psalmist is exhorting us to do something with our thanksgiving, specifically singing a new song, a spontaneous song, and moving your body, kneeling in this context. Let's read the rest of the verse. It's not just isolated here, but the rest of the verse, majority of it is showing this expression of God. It is worship and thanksgiving. Shout with joy to the Lord, all the earth. Right when I was, shout to the Lord. You didn't know your boy could sing. Sing, sing. That just comes through my mind as I was prepping this. Shout with joy. to that's a side note. Let's get refocused. Shout with joy to the Lord, all the earth. Worship the Lord with gladness. Come before him singing with joy. A thankful heart expresses itself in worship. And worship moves our bodies. And just going back to the passage, shouting worshiping gladness singing with joy there are things worthy and unworthy of that type of expression and I don't know about you the things that are unworthy may be football games that we get excited about right and those that's human nature I'm telling you I'm telling you continue to do that as so long as your heart is still right with the Lord But in that, it's just a part of a common response each one of us has. So it's like the psalmist is saying, hey, you express thankfulness in so many different ways. You express your emotions in so many different ways. Don't just keep that compartmentalized there, but transition it over and take it to church. Take it to your quiet time. Take it to me. He wants a people who know that we can take our feelings and emotions to him in thanksgiving and express them. It may be shouting, it may be praying, it may be crying, it may be weeping, it may be kneeling. The psalmist is saying something happens naturally. And in our private setting, these are some of my personal favorite times. How does your pastor, one of your pastors up here, feel motivated to get up here and share about the goodness of God Sometimes it's when I just listen to worship music on the way home, my emotions start to stir for love for God, I crank up that bad boy and I go hard, I go real hard and there's something that is so freeing in that moment and in that car, I know you can testify where there is no inhibition and you are willing to look undignified because no one's around. Something beautiful about that. Now, in public settings, a thankful heart, it does not like, in the text, you can't say, okay, public versus quiet. No, but in a public setting, a thankful heart will continue. As you thank God for who he is, it will cause you to want to move your body, but the fear of man will stop you. The fear of what other people perceive of you moving your body will stop you, and I get it. It seems undignified. You're very self-conscious, I'm very self-conscious, but Jesus won't be upset if we get a little excited about his goodness. I'm just letting you know, there are a lot of people in heaven in the new heaven and new earth where we're gonna be, I almost said crip walking, but that's (laughs) violence and gang banging. You're going to be celebrating and dancing unto the Lord. Jesus is worthy of looking undignified. He really is. And don't give me that, I'm not emotional. You were very happy when we scored first yesterday. That's all I'm saying. We were all very happy, John, when we scored first. I even look back at Danny, I'm like, I wouldn't be surprised if we win. We're emotional beings. It's whether you're going to stifle them or whether you're going to allow them to be expressed in Thanksgiving when we worship God. I remember the very first time that uh, I expressed worship in a public setting like this, Um, it was 2017. But I'll take you back into the context of what was happening in my heart. I get saved in 2007, a decade prior. And in 2011, Danny and I get married, and I would be listening to the songs, and I'd be like, "Ooh, thank you, God, thank you, God. And then I'd be like, the thought came in, oh, man, I want to raise my hand. It just seems natural in thanksgiving to Jesus or in surrender to Jesus, but I never would because I was, and it sounds weird to say now because Danny's like, chill out, chill out but I was afraid of what my bride would think of me if I started to be expressive. And it's interesting looking back just how the dynamic has changed. And so take five years into the marriage uh, from five to around 17 and a song comes up and I wanted to do it again. It's one of hundreds of times in the first five years of our marriage where I'm in the public setting, Terry, for real. And I was just like, ooh, this song's a banger. God, I just want to... But then, again, reason, dignified Roy ended up speaking to me. And he's like, man, don't do it. You're just going to put focus on yourself, so on and so forth. And then a voice came in my thought life that was so from God. And the Holy Spirit said this, if you can't obey now, why would you obey in public, outside of the church? And I'll take you to what was happening in my heart You see, God was stirring my heart to be more effective ministering to people outside of the church rather than just coming in on Sundays. And he was trying to mature me and and help me realize that the five years prior, every time that I wanted to worship God, that was him blessing me and him saying, I'm stirring your heart for me, pursue me, show expression. It just came natural. So every time I stifled him, he helped me realize in that moment that for me, personal conviction, that I was disobeying God and hardening my heart. And so in that moment, I realized it was an obedience issue between me and God if I have been stifling him that often. And so I remember that day, my first hand was like this. (laughs) Next week, hand was like this. Week after, hands were up here. Week four, hands were up here. Week five, it was dance time, and I've never been back since. Never been back since. The freedom of the Lord and actually expressing what was in me ended up fueling a bunch of my obedience conversely it it, it really did bless how i related to god and this passage is calling us to remember that god has given you emotions out of thanksgiving when your emotions are being stirred he is telling you hey there's an expression that you could show in which you can enter into another of another level of contentment and thanksgiving as you express your body what's happening inwardly you're expressing outwardly and showing. If we wanna be a people who feel the presence of God, going back to the very top of the sermon, if we want to be a people who feel the presence of God, apart from just these gatherings, we've got to have thankful hearts. Let's be a people marked by thanksgiving. It's amazing what a thankful heart in your context, your workplace, even in your household, what beautiful witness it is to Jesus. And if we want our thanksgiving to be full, not half full, but full, Don't allow the fear of other people to stop you from moving your body in worship to God. I have a hunch that it's going to be freeing for this church. I have a hunch that God's going to get more worship. And for those who are Christians looking for a people, a church that love God and enter these doors, they will see the love of Christ through expression. And all of this I am teaching with a genuine heart that we don't want to be a show-me church. We just want to be an obedient church. Let's pray. Jesus, I thank you so much for your presence and the life of your people here. I thank you so much that are, there are so many things that we can be thankful for. I thank you so much for all the servants in this household. Get more glory, do your name. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.